and welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I'm Stella, uh, recording live on Instagram and uh, recording the podcast. We are currently in Italy in a small town called Santa Marinella, and it's on the west coast, kind of up north. I'll be headed to Florence tomorrow, and uh, so Rome, from here to Rome, and then Rome to Florence, um, where all of my people have descended on Italian soil, which is exciting. Um, my friends are currently kind of collecting and gathering um, in Florence and Rome, and then my daughter will come on Sunday, so that's kind of exciting. Um, but I wanted to talk about uh, the boundary of thought. So in our boundary series, uh, we're doing the boundary of thought yesterday, or last time we did um, the emotional, we did emotional, and then we did um, physical space. And so now we're doing thought. Uh, the next two will probably be staggered a little bit just because I'm, you know, moving and traveling. I'm going to treat next week like a vacation. Uh, so I won't be doing as much content, but I will still be thinking about things. Um, I got several pages on uh, the thought boundary, which is interesting because it, it really had me uh, kind of recalling how thoughts and specifically the intellectual boundary affects me and then other people. And so the, one of the things that I talk about a lot, especially with anxiety, is how to manage your own thoughts. Um, so I did get an opportunity to practice the thought hygiene concept um, with myself, uh, really kind of looking at the idea of like meditation and how we manage our thoughts. Um, and so for myself, um, as an anxious human with thoughts that happen all the time, um, one of the things that I had kind of posted was to just observe your thoughts, like be aware of them. Um, and as they come and move through, then, you know, what are the feelings associated? And then really recognize, like, what are the facts that support that? And I tell clients and I, you know, I tell myself all the time to check my facts when it comes to kind of the thoughts that I'm having. And um, so that is a practice that I've been working on is identifying the feelings that are associated with the thoughts, any facts that come up, and then really looking at, do I need to take action or can I just let it go? And so sometimes, you know, not all our thoughts require action. Sometimes we just need to be aware of them and observe like what is happening and then, uh, you know, to move forward so it doesn't feel so overwhelming, you know, do I need to take any action right now? Is there anything I can control regarding these thoughts right now? And then, you know, how do I move through and let it go? So um, I did make a post about it, but, you know, awareness, first thing, any feelings, um, any facts that support that thought. And our brains will contrive facts, um, but that's not actually how facts work. And then, you know, do I need to take any action and then can I let it go? Um, so that's been helpful for myself to be able to kind of manage um, when thoughts come up and, and you know, spending all this time by myself, like th there are thoughts constantly, they're happening all the time. Um, and so that was kind of the first um, processing of this thought boundary and really having boundaries with myself to be able to address those thoughts as they happen. Um, one of the recollections that I had um, when I was writing was really thinking about um, the first kind of um, educational experiences where my thoughts were challenged. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I went to Catholic school for middle school and high school and my first year of college. 
Um, and my parents really focused on creating an educational space where we would have advantages, which I'm super grateful for. Um, but the, the kind of caveat or trade-off in that is that in uh, specifically Catholic and private education, there's a very indoctrination-based like education system and uh, faith-based. Um, and so I remember being young. So in elementary school, my thoughts were, you know, really supported and I was seen as like really intelligent and I was in gifted classes. And so I had all of these um, reinforcements for the way that I thought. And, um, you know, in that environment in elementary school, uh, people were really excited about, you know, Stella's so smart and she thinks like this and blah, blah, blah. When I got to middle school, that wasn't the case. And so, um, you know, kind of old school, you know, 1980s, like there were nuns still in, in Catholic school. And so they were very strict and uh, self-control was something that was very much touted as a part of how we were educated. And so when I had questions, because I'm a curious human, uh, my thoughts were challenged and uh, shut down. And I remember thinking at the time, so sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, that like the way that I was thinking was wrong. There was something wrong with my thought process. Um, and so that was also like the height of emotionality and, um, you know, it's just developing that self-concept. Um, and so that was a, a really difficult thing to come up against was that the, my thoughts were not valued and uh, my curiosity was not um, fostered, right? And I think that um, it's interesting now reflectively to look at that idea of having your thought or thought process challenged um, and how it really does get internalized as something is wrong with you. Um, and so when we are raising, you know, small humans and they have curiosity, like they're just learning about the world. So they're going to have lots of questions and um, they're going to challenge even, you know, the adults and, and their, the people around them, like their thoughts. Um, and so you kind of have to think about like why we're doing the thing or why that is a rule or why safety is an issue. Um, and I love that about little kids because they, you know, they are curious, they wanna know all the things. And so it's really our responsibility as stewards of their thought process to encourage curiosity rather than to just shut them down and be like, because I said so, um, which is difficult to do. And, and I will be the first to admit, like, because I said so came out of my mouth more often than I would like to admit. Um, but it is a way to think about how we encourage littles to have independent thought. And to think in a way that is promoting their development rather than stifling them and telling them that their thoughts are somehow wrong. Um, one of the other th one of the other things that was kind of <laughs> curious to me um, is when I got to high school. At that point, I was just like, blind faith doesn't work for me. Like I can't just believe in a thing if there's no evidence. Um, and I'm a science-based logic human, uh, and so I, I had a lot of questions. And again, I was like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and it gets shut down, like, we're not going to ask that question, it's faith, you know, whatever it is, and, and it didn't work for how my brain was developing at the time. Um, ironically enough, I did send my daughter to Catholic school for middle school. I spent a lot more time in the principal's office because she was very much like her mother in that, that doesn't make sense, and 
you know, these are facts or whatever. And so I paid for that dearly, both financially and uh, in the principal's office, <laughs> um, which was, it was what it was. One of the other concepts that kind of came to me as I was, you know, writing and, and processing through this is the idea that a lot of times culturally we say things like, what would people think, right? Um, and again, Catholic background, going to church, like you have to dress a certain way, you have to behave a certain way, you have to have a level of decorum in how you behave out in the world because other people are watching. Um, the reality is nobody's watching, but that's not how it feels when people are, you know, constantly touting that idea of like, what would people think? And what I know to be true from a clinical perspective is that clients have internalized that idea that they are being observed by the larger world on a regular basis. And so when we are striving for community and connection, that idea of what would people think then becomes the, the dominant um, factor in how we comport ourselves out in the world. Um, and that's, it's kind of a, a weird concept to think about the, the people in the world are observing us. Um, people are thinking about what our behavior is or, or how we're dressed or what we're saying or whatever. Um, the reality is that people are in their own heads and they're not really thinking about you all that much. Um, we are pretty insignificant when we think about the world as a whole. More people are in their own heads thinking about their own stuff than they are thinking about us. But when we are striving for connection, when we are wanting to build relationship, we are overly concerned with what other people think about us. Consequently, we are modifying our behavior or even our thought process. Um, I was thinking about relationships because I'm always thinking about relationships. The whole concept of codependency is doing relationships in a better way. Um, but how often I would change my thought pattern or my behavior or even my emotions as it related to other people because I was concerned about what they would think about what I was doing or, um, you know, how they would feel. You know, we, I don't want them to think that I'm this or that. Uh, and again, it's like, I don't want them to feel bad or I don't want them to feel upset or I don't want them to feel, ups, you know, like I am not worthy or valuable because I have these thoughts or because I do these things. I don't want people to think badly of me, right? And so that is what is going to trigger or, you know, give us this opportunity to change how we show up in the world so that we can continue to have connection. Um, I was thinking about, I'm doing a lot of thinking. I was thinking about, the, you know, the relationships that I've had in the past. And because most people will perceive me as, intellectual because I do, you know, have a lot of thoughts and I have a lot of knowledge. Um, and because I'm a curious human, um, I, you know, that became a, a bigger motivator for me to engage with people from that lens of intellectual capability. Um, and then when the focus certainly in middle school and high school became this aesthetic, um, you know, then I was like, okay, well, I'll just be skinny and I'll just be pretty and I'll just be cute and I'll just be quiet. And I won't engage in that intellectual way that can turn people off or, you know, make them 
uh, not want to engage with me. And so I kind of shut that down for a while. Um, and then not until I got back into college consistently and finished, did I then turn back on this intellectual ability um, and make that the highlight of who I am and how I show up. And so when we think about little kids, right, we want them to be curious. We want them to learn about the environment around them. We want them to have questions. Um, and so if we're shutting them down or not engaging in that way, then they will find other ways to get attention. Um, and sometimes that's behaviorally. Uh, and so they'll make themselves quiet or they'll make themselves small um, or they'll make themselves compliant. Um, and so it, it will stifle then their ability to engage in the world in that way. What I know to be true is there's a lot of adults that I know now that maybe didn't engage intellectually or from that educational capacity because they were in their heads, because they were, you know, um, having a lot of thoughts that were maybe not in alignment with what was going on in the educational environment. Um, and so for me, I then became really social. So if I were to look at my report cards, which I don't have anymore, but I had for a long time, you know, Stella is super chatty or Stella doesn't pay attention in class or um, Stella is a distraction. And because I wasn't engaging in the way that it was structured, then I was seen as a problem. And then when I got home, if I was seen as a problem because my parents were investing all this money in my education, then I was a problem at home too. Um, and so really thinking about how developmentally our thoughts and our intellectual ability can be stifled because of the environment that we're in or the way that it is received from the larger world and certainly from the adults in our, in our um, environment and how they perceive what we are thinking. Um, I think the other challenging piece is if you don't think or learn in a traditional way, um, then you're seen as a problem or as deficient. When that's not necessarily the case, your brain just does, does different things. Um, and so in very structured educational environments, you may not feel like you fit in because your brain is doing a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people are identified, labeled, or diagnosed with um, intellectual deficiency or uh, learning disabilities when the reality is they just process differently. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there is something wrong with how they're thinking. It's just that they're thinking differently. And so a lot of times kids will shut down once they've been identified as a problem, right? And that's why I struggle with like the, the Western model of diagnosis, because what it's looking at is what the challenge is and then how to fix it, as opposed to how do I fix the environment so that that is not a problem for you, so that you can continue to learn and be curious and, and get the most out of the environment rather than being identified as a problem. Um, I wanted to switch quickly to boundaries just to recognize that when we are sharing our thoughts and ideas or our curiosity, if it is not met with encouragement, a lot of times we'll shut down or we will change, you know, how how we are engaging in those relationships. And so a different way to look at it is really recognizing like who you are safe with sharing your thoughts. Um, I, again, we're you're back to the emotional, we say who, we say when, we say how much. Who am I safe with to talk about the things that are happening in my head? Um, who am I 
encouraged by or who is curious and meeting me in that same space of curiosity rather than that's a weird thought why do you think that um and so <laughs> that's one of the the ways to really kind of recognize where the boundary needs to be set is the who um when and or where is like you know really recognizing the environment in which i can be myself and have these crazy thoughts and then share them with other people and they are received again with curiosity or with engagement or with you know tell me more about that that's interesting um i was having a conversation with one of my sisters um on the phone and I've mentioned before, like, we like to give each other shit. Like, we give each other karia. Like, that is just how... It was one of our love languages. Um, but I was having an emotionally kind of sensitive day, and so she had brought up something that was not super helpful. And I was like, okay, well, now I have to switch how I'm engaging with her because I don't feel safe. Um, and and she wasn't doing it on purpose. It was not malicious, but it did help. It did tell me, like, it switched on my brain to, to think in a different way or to take that conversation in a different direction so that I didn't continue to feel triggered or attacked or whatever. Um, and so really thinking about who and when I wanted to continue having the conversation. So I just kind of switched the thought down um, and was like, okay, we're not going down the rabbit hole. Uh, I could have said at the time, I didn't really like the way uh, that, that you gave me that comment and it wasn't super helpful. Um, I didn't say that. I just kind of moved away from it and then processed it later with someone who was safe so that I could say like, I, I didn't like that or that was a that was a problem for me in the moment. Um, and so the who is like, I processed it with someone else. And, you know, when and where is like, I just switched the conversation to, to something that was a little bit more neutral. Um, and then how much, right? How much am I sharing with this person because my thoughts can be all over the place. And sometimes, you know, I'm having really dark thoughts or I'm having really ah, like chaotic, manic thoughts. <laughs> and I need to be able to process them with someone who is going to be comforting and safe for me to be that kind of chaotic mess that I can be or I have been in the past. Um, and so really recognizing how much do I share, you know, with, with certain friend groups and with certain friends, you know, I show up in one way and I'm, you know, the life of the party and I'm super engaged and, um, you know, I'm having these, you know, really fun conversations, um, in other friend groups, I'm having really intellectual, like deep conversations and deep, like deep, uh, deep theoretical conversations and, and we can have this banter that's like really awesome and we go down all these rabbit holes and it's really cool. Um, and I know that I'm not going to be judged. Like I know that my friends and these particular friend groups are going to be supportive of that kind of conversation. Um, in other relationships, I've definitely been with people who maybe challenge my thoughts or say that what I'm thinking or the way that I am thinking is somehow flawed or wrong. Um, in those environments, I will approach it with curiosity to a degree, and then I will just shut it down. Like, I'm just not going to have that conversation with someone who then is coming at me with um, their own perspective, which, again, I try to, especially when the, the goal is connection, to be curious and be like, well, tell me, tell me how you come to that conclusion or tell me more about what your perspective is. Um, 
our boundaries are going to be based on how we feel in the moment. And so if we are feeling threatened or triggered or, un, you know, uncomfortable, we're going to want to shut that down. Or, or if our codependency is highly intact, in huh, we're going to want to be like, okay, I will just think what you think. I will just do what you do. I will just feel how you need me to feel because I need this uh, relationship to continue to build connection rather than um, threaten or challenge the person that I am in relationship with. <clears throat> One of the challenges for me has been because I can go to that theoretical, like thought, you know, highly intellectual place, um, how I am received can feel as though I am being condescending. Um, and I have had that feedback more than once. Uh, I really try to manage it so that it does not come from a place of judgment, but it comes from a, a foundation of knowledge. And again, as a curious human, I read a lot, I research things, I, you know, kind of deep dive into um, the the science or the fact-based information. And so when I, uh, you know, I'm explaining that to someone, um, they may not always receive it as though I am coming from a place of, of knowledge and knowing, but I can coming from a place of judgment. And so I do appreciate the people who give me that feedback of, you know, it feels like you're condescending to me or whatever. And I, you know, kind of rein it in and say, okay. And again, it's really based in that idea of what is my goal? Is my goal connection or is my goal approval, right? If I want somebody else's approval, I may really turn up the intellectual conversation or I turn it down based on what I want to get from that inter interaction, right? Those relationships are going to, in a lot of ways and have in the past dictated how I show up in a space. Do I, you know, do I turn up the intellectual, like, I know all the things, or do I turn it down and then just show up as like the pretty girl who just, you know, sits there smiling and tell me more about you. Like, I'm not gonna, you're not asking me any questions about how my brain works. You are focusing so much on what I look like. So I'm, I'm just, tell me more about you. Like I've done that before on dates and interactions. Um, and, and it really just depends on what is going on in that space. And do I feel safe? Do I feel as though I can fully show up as myself or do I feel like I have to package myself in such a way so that I am digestible for whatever the audience is? Um, and so really thinking about that is where that boundary comes in. I can manage me. I can't manage the other people. And what other people think about me is their business. Um, and it's a matter of like not taking it personally if people feel as though I am being condescending, if that is not really how I'm showing up in a space their perception of it is their business. If they say that to me, then I have something to manage and control. That is a boundary that I can set. But if they're just experiencing that and, and they're, I'm not for everyone. I know that 100%. I'm not trying to be, right? Like I'm just trying to be out here and if what I say resonates with you, that is cool as shit. If it does not, that is fine too. Um, but at this point, I don't need that approval the way I used to. Um, and so, you know, certainly in elementary school and I was, I was being praised. I got that approval. Everybody was like, Stella's so smart. Like let's engage her brain in such a way in middle school and high school. That was not the case. 
And so then I learned to just shut down and go inside myself and just kind of package it in a way that was going to be safe that I could get through. Um, I would say that my anxiety kind of kicked up a lot more in middle school and certainly in high school. And so my thoughts were a lot more internal and then I had to manage it that way and really kind of look at how I was thinking about myself. What I know to be true developmentally is when children are met with um, a negative response to how their brain works, they will go inside themselves and then start to internalize that there is something wrong with how they are processing intellectually. Um, and so then they'll show up in a way that is more digestible. They will maybe not ask as many questions. They will maybe not engage in that social environment because it does not feel safe. Um, and so if they're met with that at school and then met with that at home, that's going to internalize how they feel about themselves and then how they engage with the larger world. Um, and so when kids start to feel like something is wrong with them, uh, then they, they start to feel like they are wrong. Like that, it just not, it's not safe for me to be out in the world and show up the way I need to, or the way I want to, or the way that I am driven to show up, they're going to start to package themselves in a way that creates less discomfort for them. Um, and so that's one way to pay attention to how your kid is showing up in the world and then what is going on with them. Um, because all brains are beautiful and all thoughts are appropriate. Um, they're just thoughts, right? It's the action that then becomes the issue. And as it relates to codependency, if I am seeking approval, validation, love, and acceptance from the external world, then I'm going to package myself and shut down my thoughts and shut down my emotions in a way that is digestible for other people because our goal is connection, right? A lot of information. <laughs> but it is, it is one way to really start to think about and teach kids boundaries of like, you know, at school, I, <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, you know, because I was getting in trouble all the time, my mom was just like, stop saying weird shit, right? I'm like, I'm not saying weird shit. Like, these are facts that are based on the encyclopedia that I'm reading all the time because I'm grounded every other day. Um, but I, I couldn't say those things at school. Like, that was the thing. Um, what I love about my child is that she would go into, you know, this very indoctrinated environment and say really fun and spicy things that would then get her in trouble. And then I would have to go to the principal's office. And so what I would say to her is, okay, time and place, kid. Like at school, we do not say these things. At home, these are things we believe. And we are trying to meet a goal here at school to be successful so that you can go to high school and go to college and be a successful grown up. Um, but I love the way your brain works. And I want you to say these really cool, fun, spicy, fact-based things at home. Okay. Um, and so I was able to give her that tool and she figured it out to whatever degree. Um, very successful human at this point. But really recognizing that when we are raising little humans, we want them to be curious. We want them to have questions. We want them to have big thoughts with lots of different outcomes. But we don't want them to feel overwhelmed in an environment where they are not met with that same curiosity. Okay. And so really teaching them the who, what, when, where, like, is an opportunity to then foster them to feel good about themselves in safe environments and recognize that sometimes in at school or in front of grandma or, you know, in certain environments, we're not going to say all the things that come to our head 
we're just going to say the things that maybe we feel safe. And so setting a boundary of, you know, who can we be safe with? When and where can we share our thoughts? And then how much do we say out loud <laughs> is important while also saying, and your thoughts are okay. Your thoughts are just thoughts. You don't have to do anything about them or you do, and that's okay, you know, and even for ourselves, when our anxiety gets so big, you know, we don't have to do everything that comes to mind. We just have to be aware of the thoughts that are coming, aware of the feelings that they are creating, and then whatever the action is, then take it or don't. But you don't have to hold on to all of the thoughts, especially for those of us who have big thoughts all the time, right? I have constant chatter in my brain unless I'm with a safe person that I can then process it with. And when I am, then it doesn't feel so overwhelming. I can shut it down or at least slow it down so that it feels okay to have the thoughts in my brain. When we talk to another person, and this is why I encourage therapy so much, is if you have a therapist who is and creates a safe environment for you to just say all the things that come to your mind and just get it out of your body, then you can manage things a little bit better. And, you know, having your accountability person or that person that you just feel safe telling them all of your thoughts, once it gets out of your body, it's not up here and then it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And so that is your 30 minute nugget about the thought boundary. So who, what, when, where always fits and applies to how we set a boundary. How does it make you feel? What are you internalizing? And then how do you let it go, right? How do you move through it so that it doesn't feel so oppressive and overwhelming? Our thoughts are beautiful, amazing opportunities for us to just process because we are constantly observing and then internalizing and then thinking about things, right? And when we are in a safe environment or with safe people to share those with, that feels better. We feel seen. We feel acknowledged. We feel accepted. But you got to manage your thoughts first and then work to find the people that are safe for you to do that, for you to express yourself in a way that is received positively. But you got to be positive about you first and not even positive, just neutral, right? Just observe it. Just kind of recognize what is the feeling that comes up when I have these thoughts. And then, you know, if I have to take action, I take action. If I don't, I just let it go. Sounds really easy, but it is a practice. It is a practice that I am working on constantly with myself, managing my own brain, um, because it gets crazy up there. Um, so anyway, I am going to take a break probably for a week, if not two. So, you know, you have time to catch up on episodes of LX2 Codependency Coaching. Um, you can watch the videos. I will be posting content um, here on TikTok, on Facebook when I get over there. Um, if you have any questions, if you want to engage with me, shoot me a DM here or on any other platform. You can also get me at lx2.cod.coach at gmail.com. I'm going to end the video and then I'm going to end the podcast and I will talk to you soon. Take care. All right. That was a lot of information. If you have questions, like I said, you can reach me on um, Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC at um, Instagram. Uh, it's going to be lx2.cod.coach at Gmail. 
And I will talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Catch up on episodes. Send me information if you have questions. And I will talk to you soon. Take care.